everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Thrive Infertility Podcast. This is your host, Kathy Quillett, CEO of Tennessee Reproductive Therapy. I hope that you enjoyed last week's podcast with uh, the darling, amazing, sweetest soul, Kristen Breast, talking about just her miscarriage and how she survived and learned how to thrive and move move forward in her life. Um, I hope that it was enjoyable to you to have um, a, a specialist, uh, just maybe not by education, but just by life experience. Um, we're going to have more of those upcoming, but today I have Brittany Anderson with me, who I'm excited to introduce you to. I'm learning a lot about her right now, even though I feel like our paths have been, uh, closely connecting for a while. Brittany is a women's health nurse practitioner, and she is a functional and integrative medicine specialist with Nashville Brain and Body. She is a fitness coach, a doula, a certified lactation specialist, and just a really passionate mama who loves women's health and helping people through the process of getting pregnant, sustaining their pregnancy, and walking them into Mamahood. So Brittany, I'm so happy to have you here. Welcome. Thank you so much for having me. Of course. So I just did the degrees and what you're super passionate about. How did you become passionate about this area? And yeah, just tell us a little bit more about you. Well, it's funny. I actually never wanted to be a nurse. I was really determined. I think when I was in school, I started out as a bio major. I got really into CSI. Like so many of us did. That's like probably dating me a little bit. Oh my gosh. I can, I'm singing the, who are you song in, in my head already. Right. right? So that's I wanted to be school. like, I wanted to be like a forensic anthropologist, like crime scene investigation, like all that stuff. I, I always really enjoyed um, anthropology, archaeology. So I kind of like veered into um, the anthropology field. And then I basically had a conversation with my parents and they were like, look, you got to get a degree where you're going to get a job immediately because you're not coming home and we're not supporting <laughs> you for college. And so I like looked at my credits and I was like, well, I guess I'll just apply to nursing school and my my nursing school was really hard to get into. They literally did it by GPA. They took, they had 500 applicants that year. They took the top 50. And I remember thinking I'm for sure not going to get in. Right. And I, you know, we got the letter to my house in the summer, I think between my sophomore and junior year. And I had my mom open it because I was like, well, if I don't get in, you know, she can't be mad at me. I did all the things and she opened it and started crying. So I'm like, Oh, I didn't get in. And I absolutely got accepted. They were happy tears. Oh my God. They were were happy tears. So that started my path. And I was very, very apprehensive about it. Again, my mom's a nurse, my grandmother's a nurse. I just, I wanted to do something different. Mm Mm-hmm. But I'll never forget setting foot. I think it was like my second semester of school, setting foot on labor and delivery. And I just had this like deep knowing mm. like I'm supposed to be here. Wow. And so I don't even think I got to see, I mean, student nurse, <clears throat> excuse me, student nurses very rarely actually get to witness a birth, let alone a mm. vaginal birth. I think I got to see a C-section. But as I was in a, a smaller town in Indiana and uh vaginal birth was not that common. So I ended up 
doing most of my clinical work in postpartum. I love the education piece. I love wow. babies. It's just, it lit me up. So I always knew I wanted to pursue uh, that route. And it just took me a little while to get there, but eventually I ended up Mm -hmm. uh, becoming a women's health nurse practitioner and really falling in love with every piece of the transition from preconception through, especially that first year. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That is awesome. I wanted to do forensic psychology too, like over in London too. I don't know why. I just wanted to. Okay. So fast forward, here we are. And you are for our listeners passionate about helping women. And this is the direction we want to go in preparing for pregnancy, getting their body in a really healthy place for pregnancy and the transition to mamahood. And so that friends is where we're going to go today is there's so many of us in the middle of infertility that are so focused on just conception everything in your lifestyle is how do I keep my mental health safe from all the landmines of living in a fertile world, not feeling like you belong in that, at least for right now, you're not a part of it. And so all the stresses and traumas that we've talked about that live in the world of infertility, but something that we also need to is when we achieve, because statistically speaking, most people are going to achieve a viable pregnancy. How do we also in conjunction with infertility and maybe treatments and whatever, also prepare our body for a really healthy pregnancy and how do we prepare our body for the transition to postpartum and parenthood? So that's what I've asked Brittany to come on today and talk about is what are a couple things that you as listeners can be doing to prepare our bodies for pregnancy or postpartum? or even birth. Brittany, what are your thoughts about that? Well, first of all, I always swore, especially when I was in graduate school, that I was not going to even touch like infertility. I was like, that seems really complicated. Like I just Mm. don't even want to go there. I, I want to deal with the birth stuff, the happy stuff, right. You know, kind of a cop out. And what I found is that when I started working with couples. I want to say couples because all of the onus is always put on the female partner. What is that about? Men contribute 50% of the DNA. And so, so much of my work has been focused on, well, let's get partner healthy too. This is a team effort guys. Sure. But what I found is that a lot of couples were coming to me, you know, maybe fertility was something in the background or they had not really been thinking about that. And they just wanted to get healthy and then they get pregnant. And so that kind of got me thinking, well, it just makes sense that if the body and the mind are healthy, it's going to be a heck of a lot easier to get pregnant. Mm -hmm. And so that's kind of how I backed my way into working with a lot of couples that are struggling with fertility challenges. And, you know, I still don't say that I specialize in Mm -hmm. infertility by any means, but I just really help people get their bodies to function optimally so that they are much more likely to conceive. Okay. That's really key. Yeah. So how do we get our bodies? I mean, give us kind of a a couple points that you think are really important that women could take away and maybe implement in their lives right now. What are some things, I mean, you do a lot of work on your Instagram and with Nashville brain and body to help women just get their bodies really healthy on a foundational level. So what are some things that women and their partners can be doing right now 
Yeah. I think that nobody likes when I say this, but I think number one is the mindset piece. So becoming a parent is a huge transition. And I think that we have to start to get our minds wrapped around what that's going to look like well in advance, because it, otherwise it's such a, a huge shock. Yeah. Um, and even struggling with fertility can be such a huge shock that might not yeah. have ever been a thought on, you know, a couple's radar, but for example, you know, I work with a lot of athletes, a lot of CrossFitters. I was a former CrossFitter. And if you are working a full-time, you know, job, that's very high stress. Maybe you're traveling a lot. Then you're also always doing high intensity training and you're just like, I call myself a recovering type a, like I, I'm sure you all know you identify with that. Uh, if you're always in that sympathetic state that like very heightened, like fight or flight state, even like the good stress, like that's, that's not really a great place for making a baby. So there has to be some balance. So if you're constantly in that stress state, your body is not going to prioritize reproduction. Mm -hmm. So that was me. I was working full time Mm -hmm. in a clinical setting. I was gone like 15 hour days. Then I would go to CrossFit uh, six days a week. And I love that high intensity fitness. I was a college athlete. Like that was my jam. I loved that community, but my body just could not get into a good rhythm with my periods. Like I wasn't sleeping well, I wasn't recovering well. I had a lot of extra weight in spite of working, you know, doing this high intensity exercise every day. That's why my body was in this like high stress state. So it's just holding on to its resources. And it wasn't until I embraced like, okay, I maybe can do this three days a week and then need to do some yoga and some meditation and some down regulation of that nervous system really. Emulate vagus nerve, which is the nerve that's going to bring you into that parasympathetic state. So I say that's rest, digest, and reproduce when we get into that state. Hmm. And we can't be in that sympathetic. So starting to shift that mindset is of, okay, I'm aligning my life with the hope of getting pregnant. What does that look like? What needs to shift? Do I have to travel? you know, three times a week for work. Can I start to shift that? Because that's also going to be really challenging through a pregnancy and certainly through new parenthood. You know, those are some of the things that we have to start to look at. And I think that that has to be number one before we really, because that will then lead to what are the other changes that I can make with my lifestyle that will help Mm -hmm. support a pregnancy. Yeah. So shifting your mindset, kind of calming a little bit, what else can we we deal. I think body movement, I think nutrition. Yeah. So for sure, we have really good evidence that nutrition plays a huge role, obviously Mm -hmm. in Mm -hmm. our ability to get pregnant. And that's for both partners. There's even great data that in males who eat a standard American diet, you know, high fat, high carb, all the processed stuff. If they just add a handful of nuts to their diet every day, they are more likely to um, successfully get their partners pregnant because Mm -hmm. of all those good, um, you know, omega fatty acids that are in nuts. Like that's, that's huge. We also know that going into a pregnancy for both partners, again, movement, regular exercise, it's actually almost more important for the male partner Hmm. to be fit going into a pregnancy or really in that three months prior to conception, uh, that has been shown to influence, uh, their offsprings, uh, development of metabolic diseases like diabetes and obesity. 
It's amazing. It's amazing. So literally a fitter mom and dad are going to produce a fitter baby. And that's not to say like, if your parents weren't, you know, super fit, that's not like your fate is not that you're going to be, you know, unhealthy, but what an amazing gift to give your future children, Mm -hmm. right? Like you can influence their health before they're even on earth before they're even conceived. Yeah. I hear so many women. Cause my practice is mostly, I would say women just coming in by themselves, sometimes dragging their partners, kicking and screaming. Right. Um, but just saying like, there's nothing for him to do. This is all me. And what I'm hearing you say is, okay, so he might not be going to the fertility clinic and getting poked and prodded and Wanda, you know, all the, all the, uh, pelvic, uh, ultrasounds that they have to do, et cetera, but he can start moving his body. He can work out. He can go get a handful of nuts a couple times a week. But also having that support and feeling like this is a team effort. It's not just mm. on the woman to go and get poked and prodded and do these things. If you all are, you know, meal prepping together and mm. you're working out together and you're kind of holding each other accountable to that, like we are working together to get ourselves as healthy as we can for this baby and whether or not you have to go through, you know, IVF or whatever treatment you might need to support that pregnancy, these habits put into place are going to make you guys both healthier mm-hmm. in your life. And then you pass those habits onto your children. Like, again, mm-hmm. what an amazing gift for your family. And then that goes on to impact generations. Like your grandchildren will be yeah. impacted by the actions that you take prior to pregnancy. And I get chills thinking about that. I mean, people can't see you, but you're lighting up as you talk about this. Like this stuff is exciting to you. And I know that you live this too. Your Instagram is full of you doing things with your body for your body. Yeah. I try. I I mean, it's really hard to give people advice if you're not living Mm -hmm. it too, but I also try to remind people, this is not about perfection because Mm. This is not a checklist. This is not like, okay, I ate my, you know, seven cups of leafy greens today and I took my vitamins and I, um, I meditated for 15 minutes. If it, if it becomes a checklist, you're missing the point. You're living not sustainable. It's also not sustainable, but you're living too much in that like masculine brain, which is again, me type a masculine data driven numbers. Stepping into motherhood asks you to step into your femininity, which is a Mm. lot more of like. go with the flow and listen to your intuition and it's more nourishing and you need both masculine and feminine energy. But the greatest gift for me, because I was already really habit driven as, like Mm. I said, I was an athlete. I'm super masculine dominant, very type a. So stepping into that ability to have flexibility and flow has been the greatest gift of motherhood for me, because now I know it's not about me going and hitting it hard in the gym every day. It's about the intention. So some days that's good. My movement is going to look like stretching in my office in between, you know, patients for 15 minutes. It's going to look a really high intensity workout. It's about the intention and cultivating the habit, not about like having to do it perfectly because there is no Mm -hmm. perfect and you're never going to get it perfect. Well, and I've talked about it in this podcast space before, is I see a spectrum of people who are hearing me, I need to make these changes for my body. And we become so driven slash obsessed with achieving pregnancy that I I also have several people 
I don't know what percent, but come in and say, I have done everything to the T, everything that everybody is telling me. And now I have an eating disorder Yes. now, but I'm hearing you and Dr. Montville, who, you know, uh, Dr. Christopher Montville with Tennessee Fertility Institute, he was talking uh, a couple weeks ago on the podcast that we need to do everything in moderation. We do what we can to relieve stress. And to your point, Brittany, what you're saying is we need to do what's sustainable for us. Right. And so if we can set the intention, like I can add an extra salad into my day. I can maybe park a little bit further away from my office. Like I hear people all the time say workout, workout in the middle of fertility. My doctor was like, or my own infertility. My doctor was like, workout, workout. I have an autoimmune disease. I don't work out. I can move my body maybe a little bit a week. That is exercise for me. Mm -hmm. And so I drove myself crazy trying to do everything perfect because that was the only way I was going to have a baby or so I was told and believed. But what you're saying is find a couple things that you're passionate about that you can do to sustain you in your body. We're not, we're not striving for perfection. We're not saying this is your only chance to have a baby. We're building in some healthy lifestyle changes so that you can bump up your fertility, thrive during pregnancy thrive in postpartum and hopefully pass on some good habits. Absolutely. And again, that flexibility piece, we as humans were designed to live in seasons and cycles and mm. it's a really tough time at work right now. So hitting the gym five days a week is not sustainable, but right. again, walking on your lunch break or, or parking further away, whatever that is, that's okay. We're meant to change. And I always try to educate women about the fact that we, as females, we have a 29, 28 ish day cycle. We're meant to cycle with the moon. So freaking cool. Men have a 24 hour cycle. So they go through their whole hormonal range in 24 hours. So they can do the same thing every day because they experience that every 24 hours. We cannot. So hmm. you might feel awesome during the first part of your cycle. I always have the most energy, like the day I start my period, it's crazy. Hmm. And that's when I like can hit it a lot harder. And then really right after ovulation is when my energy starts to decline. And that's where I kind of step more into walking and yoga and things that aren't quite as high intensity and just starting to tune into that rhythm. Even if you don't have a cycle, you can tune into the moon. You can tune into the energy of the season, winter or spring or summer when you feel so energized, like that piece is really, mm. really freaking cool. Yeah. Talking about seasons. It was like 60 yesterday and I got outside <laughs> and I went for a walk and I came back in and my husband's like, what happened? I was like, this is amazing. I'm so excited about this. Like here in Nashville, we haven't seen the sun. We haven't felt the warmth. And now all of a sudden I can go outside and it's sunny. And I actually got a little bit warm and it, I came alive it makes such a difference for sure. Such a difference. Yeah. Such a difference. Okay. So let's just get back to practical. What else can women and their partners be doing for themselves, not only to achieve pregnancy, but also to prepare for pregnancy because that's the goal. Right. 
Uh, I really think that if you kind of establish those habits on the front end, cause okay, 90% of women are sick. They are sick in that first trimester. Mm. So that's like not the time when you want to start a prenatal vitamin or start trying to eat a bunch of salad or choke down a chicken breast. There's no freaking way that right. So if you've already kind of established those habits prior to pregnancy is a heck of a lot easier to get back to them in the second trimester. Whereas if you haven't had the greatest habits going into mm. that pregnancy, you're like, man, I'm tired. I don't feel like moving. I don't, I'm going to eat whatever I want because I worked so hard just to get pregnant. Like I'm not even going to work. Like that's a lot of times what I see. And then it just kind of builds on itself. And we end up having more complications with pregnancy. Maybe we end up having to have a C-section. Um, and I just want to say like, again, I did all the things I did the checklist, everything. And I ended up having an unplanned C-section with my first baby. So you could do all the things and still have that happen but you are much more likely to have uh, an easier birth an easier pregnancy and hopefully an easier postpartum recovery. If you're able to maintain some of these things throughout mm. pregnancy and it, it doesn't have to be complicated, but we get this idea in our head that we can eat whatever we want. Cause we're eating for, two. that's the thing we are always told. We're, we're eating, eating for two. two. Eating so for two doesn't mean you can go to KFC all the time. For sure. And you know what? I had a pandemic baby and I uh, for sure ate more donuts during that pregnancy than I've ever eaten in my life combined. But also I balanced that with drinking plenty of water and eating my leafy greens and, you know, getting enough protein and, um, and doing those things. So it does, again, it's not about perfection. It's, it's really more about balance, um, and definitely enjoy those yummy treats. Um, uh, but don't make that, you know, your primary, uh, your primary fuel, because you think about what you're eating is the building blocks of your cells. It's also the building blocks of babies. And do we want baby to be made of French fries or I don't know, kale, like, you know, it makes a difference. Definitely French fries in my mind, but I totally I know I what you're saying. <laughs> I'm a, not a sugar girl. I am a carb girl and I could eat French fries or chips and guac for dessert. But the word that you just said, Brittany, I think is really important. And I think it summarizes everything that I hear you saying is the word balance. We need to have balance in how we interact with our body. We need to have balance in how we interact with our cycle and our food and moderation, but also like eating what you need to eat in the first trimester, or even when you're doing fertility treatments and all the hormones that are making your entire body feel like you're having an out-of-body experience and you're crying all the time and you just want a piece of pizza. Yeah. Have your piece of pizza if that's what you need in that moment. But maybe tomorrow morning you get yourself a smoothie or you have some avocado toast or something just to balance out and just bringing in, I mean, balance and lifestyle, right? Yes. Yes, absolutely. What are some things I, I guess when we're saying here are some things that we need to implement, what are some things that we really need to stay away from? What do we I, see? And I don't even like to make it that extreme. Like, okay. I, I don't want you drinking a bunch of alcohol. Uh, we actually have good data that even three months prior to conception, and I think this study that I'm thinking of right now was done with IVF 
patients. It was the male partners who abstained from alcohol for three months prior to like going through the IVF process were more likely to um, get their partners pregnant, or um, it was more likely to result in a live birth, which is really cool. We know that dad's alcohol use is actually tied to cardiac abnormalities in baby. Mm. So amazing. So that's a big one that I see with a lot of our patients. We have many partners that are just drinking and a lot, and especially coming out of the pandemic, you know, Mm -hmm. alcohol use skyrocketed, right? Yes. So that's, I mean, those are simple ones. Like maybe like let's back off of super duper processed foods, alcohol and smoking. Like those Mm -hmm. are hugely damaging to our DNA, whether that is our eggs or sperm So those are really the biggies that I'm like, let's just stay away from this. And with alcohol, it doesn't have to be completely give it up. I would love that if you do that three months prior to conception, but you know, just at least cut back, maybe have one drink a couple times a week. Yeah. I just foresee a lot of really difficult conversations coming after this of women (laughs) going home and being like, well, there's this chick from Nashville that said, you need to abstain from this stuff. And I think what goes a long way just from the mental health side of it, the relationship side is, is gentleness and tenderness and agreement of both partners. As we have this conversation, it's not, you're the issue it's let's resolve together and implement these changes for us, for our future children. Right. What about, Oh, go ahead. I was just going to say, because remember all the things that the female partner is having to do and give up going through treatments or just whatever. And so I think that we can definitely make some concessions as, as males, right? Yeah. Yeah. You know, you're going to go through all this. You're not going to drink through pregnancy. Like I can like give up, you know, my, my cigarettes or my dip or alcohol for three months prior to this. We talked about cigarettes. cigarettes. We talked about weed. What about marijuana? You know, the, the data is kind of mixed on that one. I'm still, I'm not a huge proponent. I think that CBD oil is probably fine. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, still inhaling the smoke for marijuana is, is not great. And so I definitely think that is one that I would also if you're having trouble, like remove all the barriers, right? Why not give that up for at least a couple of months? Because the life cycle of the sperm is about three months, right? Sperm are great. Cause they regenerate. Like if they're, if they look funky in a semen analysis, we typically can do some things to help them along. in many cases, whereas eggs, once they're damaged, like that's pretty much it. You, you know, we have a finite amount of eggs where men are constantly producing mm-hmm. sperm. So I think it's really cool when, couples will come in, we'll do a semen analysis, kind of get that initial data and maybe, you know, motility is off or a couple markers are off. We start some of these lifestyle things and then we redo it and they can see that change. And that's really, obviously it's really helpful because men love that data and those numbers and everything Yeah, helpful for them to see, but it really does make a difference. That's awesome. I love this. I love it. Such good information. So any last advice, anything where you're thinking, I, I want to leave you with this dear listener, sweet new friend. Yes, absolutely. I think that the 
the thing is really to focus on your own health, because when you do have children, however your children come to you, Mm -hmm. it's so easy to let it become all about them. Like the second that they come into the world, it's, it becomes so easy to let it be all about them. And it's super easy to lose yourself, to lose your self-care habits Mm -hmm. If those habits are really well established and you really understand how great your body can feel and you are willing to be flexible, you can maintain that. You know, I have three little boys and I know how important it is for me to exercise and stay on top of my nutrition and take my supplements and do those things because I literally cannot keep up with those kids if I don't do them. Like I can't imagine trying to care for my children without being like semi-fit and like semi-healthy. So, you know, that is something that I think we, we kind of can lose sight of when we're so focused on like, let's just get pregnant. Like so good. Thank you so much for joining today. This has been really great. Of course. So if people want, let's say people are in Tennessee um, and they want to come work with you or they want to find you on the interwebs, where are you and how do people contact you? So I have a website. It's just brittanyanderson.net. Uh, I work at Nashville Brain and Body. So we're active on Instagram. We've also got a website, just nashvillebrainandbody.com. And then I try to post a lot about myself, my family, about you know education on my Instagram, which is at Britt E. Anderson. Britt E. Anderson. Awesome. Thank you for joining us today. Friends, thank you also to you for joining us back here for another podcast episode this week. I hope that you have a great week. Maybe find one or two of these things that you think, you know, we've heard so much today, but if you can think I'm going to take one or two of these and I'm going to start implementing them in my life right away. I hope that you do that for you, for your mental health, for your physical health, for you and your future children. I hope that you have a great week. Go out and thrive. Bye y'all.